Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on the Hope for Today broadcast. I'm your host, Doran Wengard, founder of Wengard Ministries, where we are delivering hope to every heart. Now, if you've missed any of the previous messages that have been recorded, I'd like to encourage you to go back, take the time to listen to those, see what revelation the Lord has for you, new things that you can learn. And also, if you've been impacted by these messages and you'd like to partner uh, with us, please text the word GIVE to 844-333-7227. Now, today the message is called, What is Grace? And I know we've talked a lot about faith and in the, the previous series of hope in the spirit, hope in the soul, hope in the body, a lot of it was focused on faith and how to access that, how to use our faith. But today I want to talk about the balance between grace and works. So there is a combination of every one of these things, faith, grace, and works. So the Lord gave me an example of this a little while ago, and I just want to um, paint a picture for you. So have you ever seen a plasma globe in person where you, you see on the inside of the globe, there's, it's like there's a source of power, and it is constantly producing these small arcs of electric I guess, lightning, and they kind of move quickly, but they're, they're random. They just move around the inside of the globe. I was thinking about that, and the Lord was saying, that's like my grace. It's always available. It's always there. It's moving around. So if a person touches their hand to the outside of the globe, there is an immediate focus of all energy from the source to the person's hand. So God showed this to me that th- that is the combination of grace and faith. So his grace is always available and our faith reaches out and touches or accesses the grace of God. So the question is, what is grace? And I know it is, it's been described as unmerited favor and forgiveness. And yes, it is. That's, a, that's one of the things that grace can be described as. But it is so much more than that. It's so much more than most Christians have realized or even been willing to think about. Because God's grace, if you look through and read how many times it's described, it's not only favor and forgiveness. Grace is everything that God has done for us. Everything. And it's being pushed toward us in power. His grace is constantly reaching toward us, searching for us, for our faith. So faith is our response of reaching out to touch his grace. It's uh, like uh, Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. So just as the plasma globe has power running to and fro, searching for someone's hand, searching for someone's finger, searching for something to reach out to focus it. The grace of God is searching for someone to draw the focus of God or the focus of his grace toward them in power. His grace is always available. It's our faith that reaches out and accesses that power. Jesus was a great example of this. He showed us by example how to focus the Father's power. And he brought healing. He brought restoration. He multiplied food. He used the grace of God or the power of God to produce results here on the earth. You know, this is exactly the way a person is born again. Your sins are already forgiven. 
Jesus died on the cross and your sins were forgiven. While you were still a sinner, he, he, Christ died for you. So the forgiveness is constantly being pushed your way. It's being, it's being directed to anyone who will believe, anyone who will reach out. So the moment you reach out and you touch his forgiveness, a miracle happens. Your spirit is then infused by the power of God to create a brand new spirit inside of you. You couldn't have done it yourself alone. It had to happen by the power or the grace of God, the forgiveness of God reaching out toward you and your faith reaching toward it, toward him, believing, and then seeing a brand new spirit being created inside of you. This is also the process that we receive healing or finances or anything that we need. It, it requires the power of God or the grace of God to accomplish it, but it also requires our faith to reach out and to receive it, to reach for it. So when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he literally meant that the covenant with mankind was fulfilled and the power of God could be accessed by anyone who would believe. This is the best news ever. You want good news? You want gospel? This is the best news ever. Why is it that so many times people find themselves stuck in between grace and faith and works? It's like the grace people don't accept the faith people and the faith people find themselves getting over into the works camp and the works camp doesn't accept either the grace or the faith pe uh, people. It seems like we've gotten stuck in one side or another, but if we're willing to look closely, we'll see that Jesus modeled all three of these in perfect balance. So Paul describes this also in Ephesians 2. Uh, in verse 1, it says, And he has made you alive who were once dead in trespasses and sins. Um, I'd like to read from verse 4 through verse 10 here. He says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So if you notice, there's works mentioned in here several times. And it even says, by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So understand, there is a works that are described that is saying, you cannot do this on your own. You cannot make it happen by being good. You can't be righteous enough. You can't create the right scenario that you can be forgiven without the grace of God and your faith accessing it. So in the past, I've thought of that last verse that says uh, we are his workmanship. It says um, that, that we should walk in them. So I've thought of it, you know, it's where we are to live right and we're to do good works. And then when we do that, we're considered his workmanship. Or when we live right, we are then being created in Christ Jesus. But that's not at all what it's saying. That's a misinterpretation. That's a misunderstanding. The last verse is saying that we automatically are his workmanship. See, when you were created as a new creature, if you've been born again, 
You are his workmanship. You were created by God in Christ Jesus, and it is his works that you're to walk in, not your own. When you, were, when you walk in your own works only, they're nothing but filthy rags. You cannot make yourself righteous enough. And the only way to walk in his works is by grace through faith. You keep hearing the same theme coming back over and over, but I'm going to keep saying this. There is a works we are to walk in, but it is the works of Jesus. He showed us how. He showed us the way. He modeled it so that we would be able to live like him. So uh, in Romans 5.2, it says, uh, Through him we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we know that God's grace, yes, it is unmerited favor. It is his power. It's everything that he's done for us. It's all of God's power and energy directed toward us for blessing. He can only bless because he is only good. So when his power is directed toward us, it is all good things pressing toward us. All we need to do is reach out by faith to receive it. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, uh, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So you notice grace and power are joined together right there in that same, same verse. And Paul even says that, he says, I would rather glory in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may overshadow me. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. So notice there's more, there's more than just a little bit of grace. He says, he's, he's able to make all grace abound toward you that you may um, always having all sufficiency and all things may have an abundance for every good work. So just notice, Paul is like going over the top, saying grace, all grace, provides all things for all situations. So it's described as power for salvation, power for healing, power for finances or provision to accomplish his good works on the earth. The only way to receive any of his power or to walk in his works is if we reach out by faith and believe. Now, if you go back uh, to the previous verses in Ephesians 2, if you can remember uh, verse 7, it said that in the ages to come, he might show or he will show uh, the exceeding riches of his grace um, in his kingdom toward us through Christ Jesus. So he talks about the ages to come. And my question is, when is that? Have you thought about it? Have you thought about what was Paul talking about? Because that was a while ago. That was a couple thousand years ago. And he talks about in the ages to come. So in the past, I've thought of this being sometime often in the future when, when I die and go to heaven. That in the ages to come, after we are, um, after the second coming, after we are in heaven with God, then we would see the exceeding riches of his grace, of his kindness toward us. But I want to, I want to show you that in, in verse 3, he's, he talks about times past or ages past. And in verse 7, he describes ages to come. So the dividing line between these two ages is the death and resurrection of Jesus. So if you understand that, you realize we are now living in what Paul described as the ages to come. So we know that the riches of his grace are to be active in us because he has already raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. See, if you realize that this is something that Jesus did, he accomplished it already. 
then we look at it and we say, then what are the riches of his grace? What exactly is the grace of God? In Luke, uh, he describes Jesus. He says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Uh, Paul also talks about the grace of God a lot. He says, um, by the grace of God, I am, uh, I am what I am. And by his grace, which was toward me, um, he says the grace of God with me. This is in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 9, he's talking about the grace of God, the exceeding grace of God on you. In Ephesians 3, 7, he says, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me. So he's talking about uh, the the power of God being directed to him, being on him, being with us, being given. And so we see that Paul had a a well-rounded understanding of the grace of God and how to access it. So if we think of the grace of God as his power toward us and on us and in us, we begin to see how his salvation uh, for us is not just to take away our sins, it's also to be the answer for every problem that we encounter. Yes, the grace of God brings forgiveness of sins, and even while you are a sinner, Christ died for you. But it's also healing for your body. It's provision for your needs. The grace of God is constantly being pressed toward you in power. We are to call on the grace of God and receive it through faith that the works of Jesus can be powerful in us and through us. If, if we try to accomplish this by our own works, we then fall short of the grace of God. In Hebrews 12, 15, it says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So it is possible to fall short of the grace of God. And I didn't understand that before until I realized that when people try to accomplish good works on their own, they are not empowered by God's power. And this has been a source of bitterness for many, many, many people. That is what is described as falling short of the grace of God when we try to do it on our own. We try to do it by our own power. And then people become angry at God. Uh, like they, they say, well, his word doesn't work. It's not coming true. They, they say, I, I tried this. I tried it. And I tried harder and harder. And they, they look at it as if the harder I try, the more possible it is to happen, but they're not realizing that it's only by grace through faith. So they, they fail then to realize that the only way to accomplish these things is to reach out by faith and allow the grace of God to be directed toward you. The grace of God makes so that all the promises of God are yes and amen. So if we try to live right in order to be accepted by God, we have actually made the promise of righteousness of no effect. We, we cannot have it both ways. We either accept his righteousness, which is placed upon us, or we cancel out the effect of it by trying to work for it. You cannot have it both ways. You have to reach out and receive because it is a gift. Mark even talks about it uh, in uh, chapter 7, verse 13. He says, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition uh, or traditions which have been handed down to you. And so he, he's describing the word of God is just as powerful as it's ever been. But when we try and we add our tradition to it, we make the word of God of no effect. 
So the other thing that we need to realize is that the ability to receive can sometimes, it can take years to develop. So continue to remind yourself that God is good, his word is true, and his grace is his never-ending power constantly directed toward you for good. I love the way that Paul finishes his letters to the churches. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So salvation has been described by many people as forgiveness of sins. And I want to remind you again, it is so much more. It is everything, everything that God has done, everything that Jesus did, pushing toward you in power. See with the eyes of your heart and not just your natural eyes. Jesus said many times, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Paul said in Ephesians that our eyes need to be opened to the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. This only comes through revelation from our spirit to our soul or through our soul into our mind. So we need to receive this by revelation, not just by our logical mind. So as you begin to obey him, you become more and more willing to believe what he says in his word instead of just applying logic and reason to every situation. So as you've been listening, has God put something on your heart today? I want to encourage you, take a piece of paper, write it down with today's date. Go and take immediate action. Do what he's put on your heart. If there's something that he's asking you to do, that is reaching out by faith, reach out by faith and allow his power to work in you. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Mm -hmm.